Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mount West Wire football podcast. Website, as always, mwwire.com. You can find all the stuff we're going to be... Uh, Working on the next little while, we have our, I know this is a football podcast, but basketball, we have an all-decade team, that's pretty cool, but we're joined by Matt Kennerly to go through the longest off-season in recorded history of mountainless football. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yes, we, uh, we're we going to be talking football today, there's still plenty to talk about, about even though the teams aren't really playing, which is, uh, do you like how the uh, former UCF guys like, ah, sucks to be, I'm like, oh yeah, it does suck, so I, what's there to disagree on, right? <laughs> They're like, yes, you are, you are correct. You are correct, and we will see if your season, team season gets to be played as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're not getting any of that stuff, but a couple things we'll get to. Matt brought up a good idea right before we started, because we're talking about a couple transfer guys. Uh, Warren Jackson going to the pros, or not early, but yeah, I guess it still technically is early because he's not playing this year. And then the big picture thing, I guess, is uh, who are we going to root for, Matt? If, there's no, if your team's not playing... We, I try to find some comps. So hopefully they're within the ballpark of possibilities and people agree. Or we can just randomly name off teams we want to watch or just watch football, right? Exactly. Can I bring up a conspiracy theory right at the start? Uh, I'll allow it, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Um, we're talking about transfers. This is not like a far-fetched conspiracy theory, but I, I put up a tracker this past week because I felt we needed to do so with players moving. Colorado says three players not going to be on the team next year. Mm-hmm. Does that have to do with them, with the issues of the COVID testing or protocols not being followed and alleged racial um, indiscretions, I would say? Do you think that, I'll say I think that may have had a small part to do it, to them not staying around. I mean, it's kind of hard to say one way or the other. It is. Um, you know, just because when you look at you know who's in that pool of players so far... You know, obviously Warren Jackson is the big name where he went, came out and declared for the NFL draft, you know, foregoing any potential when spring season for the Midwest. Um, but, you know, and you, you might be able to throw Manny Jones in there as well, but Trey McBride is not necessarily a player that I would put in that same boat. Um, I would point out that it is somewhat ironic that, you know, especially in the senior class, they've Put, they made an, a concerted effort to have a united front for the benefit of this, you know, new coaching staff, and then to immediately watch some of the team's highest-profile players piece out. Yeah, you know what? Like what? Two weeks later. So essentially, yeah, that's why I thought like there's, like we're not saying for sure, but I think there's a realm of possibility. Either a, they're not, they don't like what's going on, or b, they don't want to deal with the crap that's going on, even allegedly. Whereas. The focus is on that, not them playing and participating in training for football. Or they'll have to deal with questions. So, hey, was the coach a jerk today to you or stuff like that? Like, not those direct questions, but they may not want to deal with the other outside of football items, which do come up from time to time. But these are pretty big deals. And we'll be, if allowed to chat with these players whenever media availability practices begin, they don't want to deal with it. Like, well, why? what's the point? Let's just get out of here. But I, I wouldn't. I would say there's a, decent, a chance that's a possibility, right? Yeah. And like you mentioned, they're all seniors, correct? Uh, well, I don't 
think so. I think McBride is actually a junior, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double check. Um, I can be over talking, but I know obviously Warren Jackson and Manny Jones is a senior as well, right? So he's not going to mm-hmm. the draft. But here's, here's a couple things, too, with that. Um, the drafting we'll get to in a minute here with Warren Jackson. But we mentioned before, Matt, we're like, if you're a draft, anybody in a top 200 pick possibility, you might mm-hmm. as well just declare and go pro, right? Is that your kind of thinking? I mean, I think if you're – and I think I may have mentioned this before. Like, I think if there is uh, – the calculus has changed. Like, I think even if it's like a, you know, low ceiling, high floor kind of thing where maybe you're at best a day two pick, that still might be a chance worth taking rather than, you know, the because I think the risk of injury or other things and in, in the potential of playing, you know, two truncated seasons in the course of a calendar year is – May not it may not necessarily be worth it. It may be worth just kind of taking that shot and having that kind of, if not necessarily a million dollar contract, you know, still having the ability to secure your future in that regard. Yeah, look at McBride real quick. He is a junior, so he would be eligible to go to the draft right now since he's going to be three years removed from high mm-hmm. school. So that's a possibility for him. Also, it's like why not go out on a high note? Because last year, first team all Mount West Conference, Athlon, Phil Still. Um, official Mountain West team. Do we have him first team as well, I'm assuming, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, yes. We had him first team, which our list of whatever weight that carries. But everybody's in consensus. He's really good. He's on the Mackie watch list. Um, so there could, there could be an argument to be made. Why go out there and risk any, um, whether it be injury or poor performance? Because think of this, for him, new system, new, most likely a run-based system. If he were to, I'm just saying, if he were to come back and stay. Like, mm-hmm. you would have no Warren Jackson to help you out. Just not, not just, but Dante Wright and Nate Craig Myers. Some Still some pretty good talent if you're to stay. But, like, I could see him trying to transfer and not finding the place. Because it's also still, we should note, as of Sunday night, it's still not official. It's, like, reported in multiple places. Mm-hmm. So we should throw that, bring that up there as well. But part of it, too, and I talked with this, and uh, I talked with Brandon Hoffman from 24-7 the other day about, we'll get to Justin Rice in a minute, where he did find a spot at Arkansas State. But is there room for him to go anywhere? And it's it's also more truncated than any portal portal transfer because typically if you go, you got to find a spot to play, and there may not be a yeah. spot at some teams. Some teams are starting to realize the portal because it's so new. Is should we hold back two or three scholarships just in case? And the reverse too. Like say he leaves, what if CSU gets a guy coming over, gonna just in any year, not necessarily this year, but comes back? Oh, he's a scholarship guy. They come back. Trey McBride or anybody else, Manny Jones will be at 86. And sorry, no scholarship, you're walking guy. But so you get stuck in the middle. This could be even more. I'm assuming in this case, Matt, there would be a better chance for him to return because how many players are going to transfer to a school not playing football right now? Mm-hmm. So you would think there's a spot for him to come back, but that's the worst to take. Like, who's going to take you? Just because there's a lot of high talent, like Pac-12, Big Ten guys. Like, just, let's go to Justin Rice, man. Preseason player of the year, very likely NFL draft pick. I don't want to say he's settled for Arkansas State, but he's good enough to find a spot on basically any team in FBS, just about probably 95% of the teams. Yeah. And he goes to a Sun Belt team who is just fine. So that kind of tells you who has spots available and what teams really want you when their season starts like in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so were you surprised he found, like, does that level of play surprise where he ended up going it over to the Red Wolves of the Sun Belt? I mean, I think the... I, I guess among most fans, I would I would imagine the expectation was that he would have ended up with a Power Five team somewhere. Yeah, if he's going to make that move. But I think that you know when the 
when the impulse is just to, or when the motivation is just to play, I don't know if the distinctions matter that much. You know, it's not like Arkansas State doesn't get guys into the NFL, for instance. You know, they landed, what, uh, Kirk Merritt there. Omar Bayless is turning a few heads in NFL training camp this semester, this summer. So I think, I think in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't make much of a difference because talent plays anywhere. And it could help him, too, because what if he just blows it up playing the league that's not quite as strong to Mountain West? Mm-hmm. There's that as well, too. And so it's I'm glad I found the spot because it would be unfortunate for a guy of his talent to be able to be like, well, I'm stuck at Fresno State crossing my fingers. I would I would, I would, would probably, well, you know what probably would happen? Say there was no takers or no room or whatever because it, he's a grad transfer. And really, okay, remember the Jeremiah Masoli thing? Well, let's just find a, tra- find a degree that works for you. Who knows mm-hmm. if he's just looking for any degree, just stick to class because that's what some of these guys do. They want mm-hmm. to play one more year, get the shot. Like, well, I got my degree. Let me go do a semester's worth of a master's towards something, and they'll just go ahead and do it. But I guarantee, I could almost guarantee, had no, had there been no takers or nothing to his liking, he would have just declared for the NFL draft. Yeah, I don't see why that would be the case. And like, look, look, look at Sports Reference failed me. I tried to go to the Arkansas State drafted page, page, but they have, they do have some guys out there. Like, um, we have a few guys who are NFL draft players, like. Uh, a couple years ago. Actually, oh, 2016, never mind. I'm going to pass. They've had a handful of years passed. And remember, didn't they win like five straight conference titles with like Brian Harson and five different coaches, Houston Nutt and other guys for like a stretch in the mid-early 2010s? I mean, I don't have that information in front of me, but I can tell you this, that they've been one of the more consistent group of five programs over the last decade or so. Yeah, they've been. And good. I think that that still counts for something. Did they beat Utah State when they played them or somebody? Something like that, if I recall? They played the Mountain or Boise State. They, they no, played? they played UNLV and they beat UNLV. Oh, well, okay, it's UNLV. Sorry, <laughs> but no, you are. Are they? They're a pretty good team. They have won, if my uh, whatever, they've won twelve conference titles overall. So there's that, and I know they won like a, it was some weird stat where they like won three or five in a row with a different coach every year. So that's yeah. kind of a weird thing, and that's a, it's awesome. It's pretty cool they could do that. So it's like you're right. It's not a bad program, but it's also probably not the program he wanted to go into as well, as well. Because maybe, but I mean, obviously, I don't know what he's what his intentions were. So sure. So what about the rest? We you brought this up right before. Are there going to be other players that decide? Because it could. I think it'll depend upon if the NFL or excuse me, the uh, Mountain West season, whatever their plan is going to be. Like they might be starting practicing in three months and get ready for a January um, season or some sort of season. Mm-hmm. Could I? You mentioned a good point. Like what? How many more players? Because at this point, transferring. It's very unlikely to get in. First off, there's deadlines to get enrolled in campuses. Yeah. There are some if they're on the quarter system, or whatever. You can I think like Stanford starts middle September really for their mm-hmm. for their college for typical students. So I don't know how many out there that start that late that allow for a mountainless guy to transfer in. But if we look at guys who are going to NFL draft, you make a good point. What if the season mountainless season either doesn't happen or is unlikely to happen, or it's like a six game season they don't like it. They don't like to set up, and they're going to be gone by January. Like mm. that, like well, that could be a real possibility, right? Yeah. So, like anybody on your radar that might be of uh, having one foot off the door. I mean, off the top of my head, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, you know, I think if you're looking at guys who have a very good chance of getting drafted, you know, you can look at. You know, San Diego's pair of safeties, for instance, and Tariq Thompson and Dwayne Johnson Jr. I think if if there is anybody that is likely to do it, it's probably those two guys. You know, not only because 
you know, the, you know, the performance just in terms of like traditional stats and, and, and film and stuff like that really jumps off the page. But, you know, when you dig into the analytics, you, you know, we'll talk more about it in a minute, but I'm pretty sure they, they, they declared them both um, in pro football focus when I mean, when I say they as first team all conference type performers. And I think if I remember correctly, they, they lean Johnson in particular is the best safety in the group of five period. And so, and I think when you've got that kind of helium behind you, you know, I think there's a real temptation for them to skip. You know, I think also that might apply to some of the uh, other top tier wide receivers in the conference. So like Jackson's already declared, but you know, you might throw Trey Walker in there as well, mm-hmm. even if he's a little undersized, you know, by, you know, relative to a lot of other wide receiver prospects in this year's class. Um, those are a few names that jump out. Um, as far as other guys, I would have to kind of dig into, I'd have to dig into things to really come up would, with more names. Than would that. you think Rico Busey Jr. would go? Because he's on the 250 senior, Reese's Bowl senior watch list. He came from North Texas, didn't play last year. He has the hype of what he did in North Texas. And I recall he was playing when they had Mason, was it Mason Fine, the QB there? Yeah. And they had uh, Graham Harrell as the uh, OC, who's now at U.S. Southern Cal right now at the moment. So there could be a mysterious hype, not to say he's not worth it, but a guy where he's also not in the offense he was coming over to with a Nick Rolovich and high flying, which he still might be with uh, Todd Graham. But I could see him going because, well, here's a couple of good reasons teams would like him. He hasn't played in basically two years. The only good thing is like injury. However, then he hasn't played for two years. He'll be healthy. He'll be fresh. There'll be no ending on that. But the tape could be intriguing to go in. So I could see him going. Um, I don't know if there's any quarterback that would go. Early because I don't think he's a quarterback good enough. And um, am I missing anybody from Mountain West? That would be because um, Jason Shelley, Utah State, wants to play. Like, there's no reason for him to go because he hasn't played him forever. He wants to prove himself. But I don't know if he's an NFL guy. Hank Pockmore is not eligible. Um, we don't know who, like, the Fresno QB, Shavon Cordero is not eligible or not going, I would say. Like, I mean, I think the, I think the only other guys who are most likely are probably those same guys who were who showed up on the Senior Bowl watch list. Yeah, came out a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah. And for those of you who didn't see that, that was this, uh, uh, Warren Jackson, Manny Jones, who we've already mentioned, mm-hmm. UC Junior, like you mentioned, and then Jordan Jackson from an Air Force. Oh, uh, and uh, Fresno offensive lineman too. Yeah, Cyrus Tuatel and Boise State's Avery Williams. I guess if it's Senior Bowl, because Senior Bowl typically, if you're going, you're almost not assured to be drafted, but you're pretty close. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I don't know, let's see what it, like, I don't think there's a, the risk-reward factor is not there, right? If you're not named one of those guys. I would mm-hmm. assume the Senior Bowl to have more guys, because the Mountain West last year, they had 10 guys drafted. Yeah. Like, they're a league that gets up there in draft picks. They've had hype, like, a couple years ago, was it 18, they had three draft picks. First round, they had, what, Josh Allen, was it Michael Gallup, and Rashard Penny? Uh... Or no, late Van Der Esch, I think it was. Yeah. Something like that. They had three first-round draft picks. So unless it's a defender, like Justin Rice would have been in that mix, he's, but he's going to play. It's a, it's something interesting to watch for because if they're going to go, there could be others. Like I don't – it's hard to speculate. Like you wrote up a piece we, we we were looking at before, like early prospects, like who could make a run. Like maybe Donald Hammond just goes pro because who knows what's happened with him. Mm-hmm. We still have an update. Like Charles Williams, could you see him leaving because he got put up big numbers in a – not a great team. Like, if you're a running back, I think it can make more sense because how many carries in your finite career is pretty short in the NFL if you're a back and he's a guy who already has a ton, a ton of carries. So I could maybe see a high-level running back, and there's plenty that might give it up. Like, could Ronnie Rivers give it up? I don't know. But there's a lot of running backs that might be – if we're looking at a position, 
I think that would be a pretty good position to look at to see guys who give it up because running backs are, are a need in the NFL. They are mm-hmm. churnable, essentially. Like, they'll come in and out. But having one fewer seasons of carries, that could be a benefit to a team saying – or for a player getting the in the ear, like, hey, maybe you should not play this year, even if it's only seven games. You want to play January till mid-April, till end of May, Mar- March, April, and then start training camp in July. That's see that. that's the only the position I think to look at for. But the main guys, two fifty is up there to be. Mm. All right, let's get to one other thing I want to talk about. Um, I do like how Pro Football Focus put out their preseason Mountain West team. Yeah, that was weird. I didn't. I don't know how good it was. Because well, you have to you have to figure they're looking at it through a different lens than a lot of you know college football fans are. You know, it's not simply about the traditional numbers. I think true. Uh, they mentioned, like, basically, if I recall, I'm trying to pull up here, I thought it had it in front of me, but they mentioned, like, kind of a, what have you done for your career? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily what they projected, which, that's not a bad thing, but it also could miss out on guys who juco transfers or redshirt freshmen who never played it down, come in and play well and be, like, a second team all-conference. So, like, here, here's a perfect example of the difference between how, you know, we probably saw it as a staff when we did our all-conference team and how the conference media did it uh, versus how Pro Football Focus is looking at it. So you look at Boise State's Jake Stetz, for instance. You know, he played, according to Pro Football Focus, only 403 snaps last year, but ranked third in, in by, their, by their grading among all FBS guards. Yeah, that's not something that that's not the kind of data that we typically have access to and it's not the kind of thing that we normally pay attention to like when we're watching games but you know according to them he was very effective at what he does and so i think with his ascension to a more prominent full-time role i think the expectation was that he would continue to be able to perform at that level or, or that they projected him to continue to do that and so i think you know in that case you know, a lot of the names aren't necessarily names that might surprise you. You know, like Jalen Walker, for instance, Trey McBride, who we mentioned a minute ago, or like, you know, Jackson and Shakir and Walker, uh, wide receiver, things like that. But, you know, so then you look in, at some points and some of the names do surprise you. Like, you know, Cade Hall at San Jose State, for instance, was the second best graded pass rusher in the conference behind Curtis Weaver. You know, you look at his traditional numbers, you might not have thought that. But, you know, maybe... And you play for San Jose State. Without a a season to look forward to in the immediate future, you know, maybe you take a look at that and you rethink, you know, his ability to kind of have a breakout season. Because he's been, you know, one of those guys where, you know, he's progressed, but maybe hasn't taken that next big step just yet. Although maybe he did, if he's grading out as well as he did last year. Things like that, you know? You know what I like? That's on here that would have totally backed me up for the season. And... You see who the first-team quarterback is? Who was that? Patrick O'Brien, first-team QB. There you go. Just saying, I had like an inkling, like, hey, maybe he'll be that quarterback, be that top guy in the conference. And if PFF sort of agreed, not that I don't think I made that was my pick. I had a double hammer, but things changed. But that is a, a fairly surprising pick. And here's the thing, too. This list came out just recently, so like, there's no Warren Jackson on the list. Oh, no, sorry, there's no Warren Jackson. Apologies. I thought something else. But... With the weapon CSU would have had, like, I mentioned it before, like, he could have been into running for, like, all-conference QB. 
because of, let's chuck it to Nate Pigmeyer's Dante Wright. Let's hand it off to whoever, give it to Warren Jackson. I do think, I do, honestly, my big surprise was Nick Starkle, second team, mm-hmm. which we don't know if we'd have started for the Spartans, right? It would have been him um, or Nick Nash, possibly. And then you got Jason. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Then Jason Shelley, fourth honorable match at Utah State. I'm like, trying to think about it. Wouldn't Shavon Cordero would have been a better pick there, possibly, as honorable mention? Just well, we talked about it in the Hawaii podcast, but, you know, Cordero has had his moments, but he's also been very inconsistent as well. Which is why I think when you think in terms of like grading and things like that, that he, they may have been cooler on him until he was more consistent. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I just think like a guy who hasn't played in like two years gets honorable mention. Because mm-hmm. I saw Jason Shelley play at Utah. He, you know what he did? He handed the ball off to Zach Moss all the time. That's not hard go. to do. I could do that. <laughs> Give him the ball and run up the middle. So that, I, I thought it was an interesting list. You guys should, it's a free uh, click over at uh, PFF. One other area real quick I am surprised that Xavier Valaday was not first team. We know running back super deep in the conference, but your mate, your man Ronnie Rivers got first team over him. Looks like, yeah, he's a guy who can do it all. You think that's? You think he's Ronnie Rivers is better than Xavier Valaday? I think they bring different things to the table. Oh, the, politi- the great political answer. They do two different things very well. That's okay. Go yeah. ahead, <laughs> continue. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, you know, because Rivers is definitely a more all around weapon, but mm-hmm. he's probably isn't the same kind of battering ram that Valaday is. No, definitely not. Charles Williams and Valaday are like the same running back. They just push and push and push and go. No, yeah. but we've mentioned many times. There's a there's look like look at the six running backs they've on here. I guess it's no eight. Ronnie Rivers, Miles Reed, George Lonnie, Toa Tala, Charles Williams, Xavier Valaday, Kater Remsburg, and Chase Jasmine. Out of all those, maybe Chase Jasmine might be the bottom of the barrel. But that doesn't mean he wouldn't be great under what San Diego State typically does, does excluding last year really running the ball. Like, that's a really great running back group for the conference. Like, yeah, those are really good. And so that's about all I got. Anything else we go from this list? Or are we good to move on to, our, I guess, our main subject? No, I think we're good to move on. All right, Matt. We have no football coming up. No Mountain West football, I should say. Our, what are we going to do for teams we talk about a route for, or individually? I wrote a list, which I hope is okay. And I need to explain my list, first of all. It wasn't, necessar- okay. it wasn't necessarily – I kind of look for teams that were similar styles of play and record over the past 20-ish years, essentially. Like, when you look at certain teams, like I put – one of my examples I mentioned briefly two weeks ago, I think it was, um, San Jose State and Syracuse. Mm-hmm. I-, I still made that one of my comps because Syracuse has never been really, really good. They had Donovan, Donovan McNabb a while back, really good QB. For San Jose State had David Fells, who you're all too familiar with, and that one game I'll never mention again. But uh, they nearly beat off some really good teams like San Diego State and Clemson, relatively speaking. So I kind of went off that route for kind of comparing these teams. I did struggle for a couple, so if, you can call them out if I'm completely wrong. But we got to know, first I'll start thinking about who you root for since Fresno's not playing. Or do you, are you just going to turn on the TV and just watch football from – 9A to midnight P, whatever late game gets out here, because it'll be BYU that late game of the week. Well, I mean, I kind of did something similar to what you did. Um, the the only other caveat I added was that I tried to compare it to other group of five teams. Mm-hmm. I, went, I went whoever's available, so I did P5, yeah. G5, so. Yeah, so, like, for Fresno State personally, like, when I wrote the list, I felt like the Bulldogs were the hardest team to comp with any other team. I agree. It was tough. To play. It was tough for me, too. Um, I ultimately settled on Western Kentucky, though, because okay. I feel like 
you know, 2020 Fresno State could have looked a lot like, or I mean, like the optimist's case for the 2020 Bulldogs would have been somewhat similar to what Western Kentucky was last year, where, you know, they were competitive for a very long time and then bottomed out unexpectedly. But then, you know, they rebounded last year. And even though they didn't win Conference USA, they were definitely above an above average team, you know, with, you know, second year head coach and Tyson Helton with a transfer quarterback um, so I, in the, you know, I guess on the, on the surface, I saw a lot of similarities between, you know, Western Kentucky rebounding last year and being kind of an, one of the favorites to at least win a division title in the East, uh, in Kusa. So that to me was kind of the, the comparison that I saw. I can see that. I went with University of Houston, mm-hmm. partly because I went back a little bit f- farther in the history books. Cause here's, a, here's my comparison. They've always had potential to be really good. They have been really good at times. Going back to early 90s, uh, Andre War, David Kingler, Kingler, the Heisman Trophy winner, Heisman mm-hmm. finalist at Fresno, a lot of passing the ball around. Teams have always had kind of expectations but couldn't quite go over the top for the most part. And I think this year, both teams, like you, kind of you mentioned West Kentucky, how well they could finish for the year. Houston's mm-hmm. not supposed to be great this year because they lost like guys like Derek King, don't have Ed Oliver anymore. They're supposed to finish. I'm looking over at the uh, invaluable Stacy.com that puts together all the uh, preseason mags, essentially. Mm-hmm. They had Houston at eight, and I think Fresno overall is like middle of the pack in their West division. So I felt the way they've done historically and what their expectations this year, and a little bit of style of play, kind of mirror each other a little bit. So I went to University of Houston, so I felt that was in the ballpark of possibility. That's reasonable. So All right, so let's go to the top. We'll kind of go through a bounce around here. Was it too easy for Air Force just to pick Army and Navy? <laughs> that's, well, no. That's what I said. Um, because I don't think any self-respecting Falcons fan would be caught dead. I know. That's the problem. In, in the Black That's Knights. my point. And Georgia Tech doesn't run it. Do you go Georgia Southern instead? Yes, you do. That's okay. the obvious one. Sorry. I made the anti-obvious pick then. <laughs> well, and it's not, you know, because Georgia Southern is, they are not necessarily the front runner in the Sun Belt going into 2020, like... You know they're they're not at the same level as like App State in Louisiana, but I think pretty clearly the class of that conference. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that they couldn't knock off either one of those teams. You know, especially because you know they run the triple option, they play solid defense, and you know as long as they're running the triple option, they've been more successful than not. And so I think to me that was the obvious choice. Okay. I, that makes sense. I was looking at other ones, but I just went with the Service Academy. But yeah, I think they have like. I, I feel compelled to apologize on on behalf of you for, for suggesting that Air Force Academy fans should root for the other academies. But isn't it kind of like rooting for the like your same? You're just same... Root, you're rooting for the troops. Yeah, come on. I mean, yeah, but I just I don't think that they would be inclined. I mean, if you're an Air Force fan, feel free to add us at MWC Wire. You can tell me I'm wrong completely. That's you, fine. Maybe I am 100. percent You can tell us who's right about this. Like, if, if you're willing to be flexible, then I guess I will be wrong. But if if you were like never in my <laughs> life, then you know exactly who to root for. You root for Georgia Southern because it's like um, doesn't during rivalry week Navy block Army all the time to rivalry yes, week so. Maybe I am far off on that. Uh, not the case. So maybe I sh- should I do a pre-apologize for Boise State rooting interest in? <laughs> Who's that? Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. Hear me out. I'll say why as well. Oklahoma. Looking at it, like Oklahoma's a really... This is a problem Boise State picking a comp that's outside, whether it be 
who's available. I didn't want to pick UCF because I felt that was even more of an issue, just because, you know, how UCF and us are kind of. Uh, well, it's not the uh, best relationship, but we, uh, we we know what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. So, Oklahoma, here's my reason, reason for this. Boise State has been obviously really, really good. A couple conference titles since they've been in the league. They've gone to the one Fiesta Bowl, whereas Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, even Bob Stoops, like they've gotten to the peak essentially where Boise has or they've been close to it. But they've always been losing and not making it where they think they should be. Where like Oklahoma, yes, you make the playoffs, you're losing the first round like four straight years. So that's kind of my thinking where they're really, really good. They're super close to always. They're always in the conversation of the best of, in our case, going to New Year's Six game. They're always in the conversation for playoff, make the playoff. But the national title is just kind of, they think they should be in the mix, but they're just not quite there the past couple of years. So that's right. I, I was also going to Alabama, but I felt Alabama won at a better rate than Oklahoma and Boise State. So that's why I went Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, I went with Louisiana, who I mentioned a minute ago. Oh, that's because... a big swing. That's a big difference here. <laughs> yeah, and just because, you know, even though they didn't finish as a top 25 team, you know, in a lot of respects, and especially by the advanced numbers that I'm so fond of, they played like a top 25 team for pretty much all season. And, you know, they've got one of the more powerful offenses left in what, in what remains of the group of five at this point. You know, they've got one of the nation's top running back tandems. And they have a lot of young talent, and that's why I thought, you know, if you're a Boise State fan looking for a team that can play sound defense and light up the scoreboard, then, you know, why not go, why not go down south and root for the Cajuns? And, like, when they were playing Wyoming this year, that would have been a very amazing game to watch, like an awesome game to watch. I was really looking forward to that game. Yeah, same with me. Like, I mentioned people work with, like, Utah-Wyoming. Wyoming could have given Utah a huge run for the money, possibly even upset them in Laramie. Yeah. So hopefully those games happen, but that's a good point. So let's flip it over. Colorado State, I picked two teams for them, but go with you. What did you have for the Rams? Okay, so for the Rams, I'm actually, I am actually I drew a different comp for Houston because I, I comped Houston with okay. Colorado State. Just because, you know, even though the Rams haven't had quite the same ceiling of success as, as Houston did you know several years ago when they went to a Sugar Bowl and things like that, you know, I felt like there was – a similarity of teams kind of at a crossroads, you know, where it's year two of the Dana Holgerson era and, you know, things took a really hard, unexpected turn towards not being very good last year. Um, But, you know, but they have a new quarterback, a new, you know, finally getting his chance. And, you know, we don't know as much about whether Clayton Toon is as good as I think we both agree Patrick O'Brien could be. But I think the pieces are there to have an above-average offense under Holgerson, which I think is what Cougars fans are expecting. Mm-hmm. And if they can play a little bit of defense, then I think that the recipe is there for them to be able to rebound from their, you know, the four and eight season that they had last year. You know, even if they aren't going to come out and win ten games right away, if they can get back to bowl eligibility, I think everybody down there in Houston would be happy about that. True, you know, my, um, I was trying to find a snarky way to get to it, but not get to it. Uh, both yeah. people want to be in the Big 12 badly, CSU and Houston. So there's yeah. that comparison as well, right? <laughs> I see what you did there. So I was, I was actually thinking that, because we know, when you look at the conference, and we see fans on Twitter, we got the, uh, I'll say rabid, unrealistic UNLV fans who think they should be in the bigger conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say CSU and San Diego State are in, not in that same category, but they, but they're not going to the Big 12 or Pac-12 or whatever, but they they think that that's the next step. Yeah. And it's not quite there. So my pick, I picked two. I picked Boston College, which is like, duh, 
You know I mean, you got Steve Adagio coming in. Reasonable, yeah. And, and if you think, if you look more deeply about it, there's a couple reasons for it. Like, I went back in history a bit farther. Like, I kind of went historical a little bit. Not necessarily what teams could do this year, which makes our list good and different. Like, you had Doug Flutie, Heisman Trophy guy. Um, BC competing very well in the Big East, early 2000s, late 90s. Sonny Lubick winning Black Mountain West titles. Really great coach, so that's one comparison there. But in the past couple of years, Steve Adazio was fired for going like 6-6, six and six essentially. Like, we had Mike Bobo Day for a reason at CSU at 7-6 and six on July 6th. So yeah. there's that comparison where they've always been good enough, but not an upper half of their conference. They're just kind of floating around just above average. Mm-hmm. And then for the offensive style, I go North Texas because they still have some things going there. And if you, what we mentioned before, like Mason, like what North Texas did when they played UNLV a couple years ago in the bowl game. Or, what? yeah, I think it was UNLV, right? They played some Mountain West team. But the yeah. offense they've had... You're talking about the Heart of Dallas yeah, Bowl Heart, 2013. Correct, Heart of Dallas Bowl. Yes. Let's not disrespect Caleb Herring and Tim Cornette now. I'm not. I'm just saying I'm just, they played the UNLV team. <laughs> but that, that's like the best UNLV team this decade, so there you go. But what I'm getting at, essentially, North Texas usually has a pretty good offense. CSU expects to have a good offense. So that was my comp for a G5 where their the style of play would be fairly similar. So those are my two picks. And North Texas and CUSA, like, also, if you go back when they had, um, who was it, the early 2000s where they won like they won four straight um, conference titles. Mm-hmm. And I remember the one year where they went, this is wild, they went, uh, back when the, they had six teams in their conference, they went, I want to say 0-6, I don't know how many games they played, 11 or 12, but they lost every non-conference game because they were doing all the bye games when they are in the Sun Belt. But they swept through the Sun Belt going 5-0. and So they got to go to the bowl game, I think, at least twice with losing records. But just because they won the conference going undefeated, they got to go. But they had great, good success at their level as well. So that's why I picked those two teams, where they are a similar trajectory over the past while. And North Texas has been above average the past couple of years as well. They haven't really – they had some down years with Todd Dodge and that stuff that didn't quite work out hiring the high school coach. But I felt those teams were reasonably in the ballpark. So, so far, so good, right? Yeah, I think so. Then we go to Hawaii. Uh, I did choose a Washington State for obvious reasons. Okay. Not just Nick Rolovich, which is obvious, but also... The Pac-12 isn't playing this fall. Oh, crap! I failed, in, I failed my own experiment. Well, why don't you, why don't you give me your <sighs> other one? Because I think the other one is a fairly reasonable yeah. one, too. I, this took me, folks, it took me like... Okay, I was kind of watching TV and listening to music and podcasts doing this, but it took me like five hours to come up with my list. Because I'm writing out explanations, researching and stuff. It took me hours, so... Can I, can I, can I... <sighs> You know, can I be honest? What? Do you like it? Washington State? Yeah. What? No, I mean, I came up with these comps in like 10 minutes. I felt like most of them were pretty easy. What? Whatever. Come on. You're more focused <laughs> than I also wrote out paragraphs for each team as well a little bit, too. That, okay, that, so, that is more fair. Yeah. It, 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 it took me a while. I wanted to be good at this. Apparently, I screwed up royally one here. But I can see comps. But I was like, I had teams in mind, but to go back and explain why, I didn't want to just put comp here, comp here just because. Yeah. But no, you make a point. That's fine. I was also, whatever, sidetracked doing stuff. But okay, Memphis. Here's why I pick Memphis. Who likes offense? Everybody, everybody in the audience. Everybody except, does. Every, everybody except for Daniel and Fresno raises their hand. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. We know it's not always the case. But uh, everybody likes offense, right? Mm-hmm. Hawaii, well, great offense. Should have a good offense. And Memphis as well. Look what they've done under, well, before Mike Norvell left. They've gone to a New Year's Six game. Explosive running attack. Guys doing extremely well. Moving the ball. Scoring points. So that's why I picked them, because you want a point-scoring machine? Even with the new head coach down there in Memphis, that'll be a uh, team to uh, watch for to get some points. Gonna get your, uh, it won't be late-night football, but it'll be scoring points football. Now, see, I went with Florida Atlantic. That's a good pick, too. 
Yeah, because I mean, even though the Warriors didn't have quite the same level of success under Rolovich, you know, the Owls had two conference titles in three years. You know, they bounced back with a vengeance last year after going five and seven in 2018. They lost their head coach too, and replaced them with this, someone who has been, you know, very up and down in some Power Five tenures and things like that. Willie Taggart. But I think the expectation is still that they will have a high-powered offense as well. And so, you know, going back to your question, who likes offense? Everybody does. <laughs> and I think the Florida Atlantic should still have plenty of that in spades. Sure, even though I think they'll, didn't they lose their top quarterback as well somewhere recently? Uh, no, Chris Robeson is coming back. Oh, I thought you know, somebody... They've had, they've had guys like, you know, Devin Singletary drafted to the NFL mm-hmm. over the last couple of years as well. With the uh, Buffalo Bills, I believe, right? And, uh, and Harrison Bryant. Okay. Went to the Browns, if I believe, if I remember correctly. All right, so what, what do we got next year? What's the next team in line here? Uh, that would be Nevada. Who did you pick for Nevada? This one took me a second. So I had this was one of the ones I had to think more about, but ultimately I looked at a team that, you know, if if Nevada had played this fall, they could have ultimately ended up in the same situation, and that was Southern Methodist. I thought them too. I wasn't. I thought SMU would be a good fit for a lot of teams, but I ended up not picking them anywhere. And I could see where they could fit with Nevada, because they're both air raid teams, very mm-hmm. obviously. You know, and you know, if if Nevada took a step forward, I feel like their season could have looked a lot like what SMU season looked like last year. Where were they a very good team? Yes. Uh, were they a little bit charmed? Also, yes. But, you know, there was no doubt that they were one of the more exciting teams to watch in the American. And so I think that, you know, that was kind of my expectation for the Wolfpack going into 2020. And so even without that, I still think that the, the Mustangs are probably, you know, a really good fit for a team that can, if they can play a little bit of defense, they can make a lot of noise in that conference. I went with, this is the, my least favorite pick, I went with Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Even though they don't really have the similar offense as Nevada, they have a... Uh... A little bit different. I went more how they performed the past decade or so, where Nevada's always been like just kind of a lame way to do it too, where they had success like that top ten finish under Chris Alt. Kansas State went to the Cotton Bowl. They with Michael Bishop. I think they went to the Alamo Bowl, which kind of screwy for them that one year, and they lost to Texas A and M when they're like mm-hmm. number two in the country. But I think the ceiling. Both teams have had near national championship success, and I could say that for Nevada when they beat Boise State and had Colin Kaepernick. But in the past couple of years, they've just kind of been floating around. But I'm not a fan of this comparison overall. I like yours better because this is like my last team. I'm like, all right, who do I got to find for Nevada? And I think, huh. Kansas, I think Kansas State's success kind of almost mirrors a little bit what Nevada's done. Mm-hmm. So whatever. That's my list. That one, that particular one I didn't like. All right, we go to New Mexico. Is it harder to pick bad teams comparisons? Because I picked UTEP and Vanderbilt. Okay, so explain that. Well, they're both bad teams. Yeah, UTEP <laughs> has the advantage of being regional as well. There's that, and there, that also that's also there's only two Mountain Times on teams. I know nobody's picking BYU to root for, right? And with the, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and that's why I made sure you, to you couldn't you couldn't pay people to do that. I don't think. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be tough. So I put UTEP partly because they've been struggling, and that's fair enough. But I here's I think Vanderbilt makes more sense because Vanderbilt has done quite well in SEC a couple of times, and we've seen New Mexico with Bob Davey. Over the past couple of years, was it 2014 or whatever, when they co- basically co-champs for the uh, Mountain Division, when they upset mm-hmm. Boise State, a very, very real chance of winning that division and going to the title game. And Vanderbilt had almost similar success with um, James Franklin there as their coach. So I kind of went that route where Vanderbilt's always struggling, always near the bottom, but they can pop up here and there and just sn- snipe you and get you. So that's mm-hmm. why I didn't go with real part of it too. 
we don't know what offense New Mexico is going to run really. We don't. We kind of know the defense, or we do with Rocky Long and Gonzalez the three three five. But I just kind of went with how te- how teams done in the past handful of years compared to them, and those are the two teams I felt that were that made sense. Vanderbilt more than UTEP because I think New Mexico is better than UTEP, but UTEP's just in a tough spot. But uh, yeah, those are my picks just because they have blips of good success shadowed by poor results. I'm just realizing that my comp isn't going to actually work because I realize. Are they playing too? <laughs> no, no. Oh, Vanderbilt's <laughs> playing as well. Crap! I did it again. Dang it. Well, no, Vanderbilt's in the SEC. They're still, they're still on the. Oh wait, wait. Never mind. Well, I shouldn't say my. I, I, whatever. Go ahead. I can. Whatever. I'm correct. Yeah, Sorry. Because I, I realized because I was thinking, well, yeah, Conference USA is still playing, and then I just realized as you were talking that Old Dominion is not playing. Is the one team. <laughs> That is not playing, and I thought that they would have been a perfect comp because, like the Lobos, they kind of <laughs> fell off after you know some sustained success. Um, like the Lobos, the Monarchs also had a guy, a first-year head coach in Ricky Ronnie. Um, you know, they may not have necessarily been the best team, but they I still think that they would have been a very interesting team to follow. You know, a lot of youth on both sides of the ball, like New Mexico. And then I realized they're the one team in the conference that isn't playing. So Okay, we both now, got one mulligan, right? Yeah, so now I'm kind of at a loss because now I'm trying to think of another one on the fly. Yeah, don't worry about it. We, we can just move on. I, I provided two. You can want to take, want to take UTEP for me? Okay, so well, if we're going to, you know, I don't, no, I don't want to take UTEP. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to comp them to UTSA because okay. they're the only other team in the conference USA that has a first-year head coach that has really kind of scuffled off and on for the last several years. Sure. They, a couple years ago, they were like, oh, they got Arizona on the ropes. They're going to be this team. Not quite. And, and, you know, I think they are not necessarily a direct rival of UNM in the same way that UTEP is. And so, as we previously discussed with Air Force, you know, Lobos fans may not necessarily be keen on rooting for the Miners right away. And right. so I think that, that perhaps rooting for the Roadrunners out in San Antonio is a little more palatable. Okay, that works. No, that makes sense. Um, so when we get to the next team here, which is San Diego, San Diego State. Do you want to go first? You got your team lined up? I do. I like my I team thought, a lot. I thought this was got? the easiest one of all. Ooh, okay. What do you got? Um, Cincinnati. I could say, I could say too. I was debated, but I ended up with one team on my list here. So why Cincinnati? To me, it's very simple. It's a team with a sketchy offense and a lethal defense that if they could get it together on the offensive side of the ball can easily win the American Conference. Okay. I was looking at Florida, but I felt their offense was too good recently because Florida would make a good comparison because their defense has mm-hmm. been really good. The offense was – here's the thing, too. Aztec's offense isn't dreadful, and there's a year or two where Florida's offense was just dreadful. But last yeah. year, they were like top three. I'm like, well, that's too good. So I went with Auburn for a couple okay. reasons, for a couple reasons. They get overshadowed by a team in the conference, despite beating them. Like I mentioned, the kick six Auburn's beaten Alabama before. Mm-hmm. But San Diego State's beaten Boise State, but typically it's in our world, it's Boise State way up here, same with Alabama way up here. So they can relate to each other quite well about we know we're good guys. San Diego State's won three three years, won 30, 31 games a couple years ago, like during that stretch. Yeah. So I kind of put that comparison, but that wasn't necessarily what they do offensively or defensively. I kind of put with how they feel as a within their conference. They they're both typically. I know Auburn's been a bit lower down than San Diego State's has been in the past couple of years. That's why they made coaches changes or expectations or whatnot. But I felt with how they relative to the conference, being able to beat the top team in the conference, winning conference championships as well, but still not being seen as that great of a team, they can relate very well when they're having dinner one night. Yeah, I can see that. 
All right, so we already did a, a – I did San Jose State. I went Syracuse. Who did you have for San Jose State? Did you mention that, or did I just go off on my Syracuse thing? I did not. I went with Tulsa. Okay. Because, you know, given the last couple of years, what you really need for a comp with the Spartans is a team that isn't afraid to throw it around the field at will, can't run at all, but can play a little bit of defense, you know, here and there. And, you know, Tulsa is not necessarily a perfect team. You know, they were probably a little bit unlucky last year, um, even though they did end up the year. I, I think I may have made the joke on Twitter that they were public enemy number one in the Mountain <laughs> West because they beat both Wyoming and, and San Jose State, but couldn't, you know, close the deal in a couple of late games against some of the upper tier, um, you know, American teams. But that kind of makes them a perfect comp because you know the Spartans weren't necessarily a perfect team last year but you could tell that they took a step forward um, they gave some of the best teams in the conference fits you know they didn't make it easy on anybody um, and so you know I, I kind of see shades of what Brent Brennan is building you know in San Jose with what Philip Montgomery has been doing in Tulsa so while again I don't think anybody's expecting them to compete for a New Year's Bowl game uh, or a conference championship in the same way that you know those expectations have been set for other teams like UCF, like Cincinnati, and things like that. But they're a team that can cause headaches and can steal one or two and you know throw a couple wrenches into that competitive mix. No, that makes sense. Yeah, and again, for my quick thing for Syracuse was that they've been close to beating some really good teams the past couple of years, but haven't quite done it yet. So yeah, UNLV. I chose Kansas. Okay, and it's not the obvious joke because Kansas isn't very good. I put partly because they both have really good running backs, Charles Williams, clearly, for UNLV, and then Kansas has uh, Puka Williams Jr., third in the and, uh, touchdowns could have been better, only three, but they had over 1,000 yards in the uh, Big 12. That's pretty good there. So I kind of went that route. Plus, they've been teams that have been sh- struggled forever. Like, I don't, like, I hate picking a team that's not very good overall. It's like, well, you're going to root for this team because you're going to have the same heartbreak as always <laughs> watching Kansas football. They do have less miles as their head coach, clearly. Obviously, that's a that's an upgrade. Um, they should be better this year, but I kind of went with they have a similar running game style. But I can't go out and pick a great team if you're UNLV. I want to try to find a comparable team. And Kansas probably finished bottom fourth in the uh, probably eighth to tenth in the Big 12, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But they do have a good running. Like, if you want to watch a running attack, they have one that has potential. And so that's why I kind of went for them for UNLV. Both have newish coaches because you have Arroyo now for UNLV. Miles a year or two over at, uh, in Lawrence there. And it's a big-time coach. I think Arroyo could be really good. Marcus Arroyo will do good things from Oregon. So I kind of went that route. And so maybe it's a – and look in the future, if Les Miles does turn things around a bit this year and they get three, four, five, six wins or something, get, or whatever, playing 10-game season, four games or something, four victories, maybe that's what UNLV can be. You can kind of just slowly move up the ladder. Mm-hmm. So what do you got? I went with South Florida. Okay. Because, you know, the Bulls are another team that has never really gotten over the hump. They were number two at one point for a week back in 2007. Yeah, and they they did win 11 and 10 games back in 2016 and 2017, but they never won a conference championship. Mm -hmm. And so I see that as being kind of a through line to the fact that for whatever Tony Sanchez built over the last several years in the desert, they never quite got to where they did and then ultimately took a step back last year. And might have, you know, they might be in a year zero situation with the Royal whenever they get back to playing. And I kind of see something similar with Jeff Scott stepping in, you know, coming in from Clemson and, you know, taking over in Tampa. And so Mm -hmm. 
it may not necessarily be pretty, but they do have some interesting pieces on the side of the ball that Scott works closest with, which is offense. You know, they've got a young quarterback. They've got you know at least a couple of young and interesting running backs, even if they don't necessarily have someone on the same caliber as Charles Williams. That's obvious. Um, and they've got a defense that, you know, I have no idea how good they're going to be. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it might be kind of a rough developmental season if they end up having one. But to me, that was kind of what I think that Rebels fans could have expected in year one of the Arroyo era, where it may not necessarily have been pretty all the times, but I think that they still would have been able to do some things, especially on offense. See, then plus L4 is kind of the uh, location of, hey, you should get good recruits here in basically, uh, we're in South Florida, Miami, or are they in Tampa? They're in Tampa. Okay, you're still in the state of Florida, good talent. UNLV is just a couple hours from like Southern California, so. Yeah. All right, Utah State. I chose Nagy comparison with Texas A&M. Okay. Here's why. Because Texas A&M, Utah State, um, they're kind of, it's similar from when I look back at the San Diego State uh, comparison Auburn. They're kind of in the shadows of their of their conference. Utah State with Gary Anderson, they're expected to be, people thought they were going to be really good when they came back. Not the case. Jimbo Fisher getting an awesome 10-year contract. Where can I get that, first of all? <laughs> Guaranteed to whatever gets fired or not fired. I kind of felt with how they're treated within the conference and expectations, like Aggie expectations, like right now, they're going to be like preseason top 10 for some reason, even in the traditional poll of every team being included, which will happen on Monday's AP poll. Utah State, not quite as high, but I felt like when you look at Utah State's done, the past couple years are up, my hand's going higher, like up, 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 up here to be compete. They're not competing. They might get that one win here or there, like A&M beat Alabama with Johnny Manziel and Mike Evans, like when Manziel just chucking it to the corner. I feel Utah State's kind of like that, where they do get that win here and there, but they, they haven't been able to get over the top. Like, they're still exciting to watch. They're still fun teams to root for. But I think, like, A&M, Texas A&M should be a pretty good team. Utah State this year would have been quite interesting with Jalen Warren and whatever Jason Shelley will be or what's going to be if the season happens. Like, they'd have been a fairly exciting team. Maybe not on the level of, like, CSU, like, passing the ball, moving offense. But I just kind of felt, like, relative expectations and – Kind of what they who they can beat occasionally. That's kind of why I went the the uh, dual Aggie route. That's fair. I mean, the, to me, the Aggies were another tough comp just because there's really nobody going into 2020 that's in the same situation as them. And, you know, because they're they're unique in the sense that you know Gary Anderson. This is his second go around in Logan. Uh, in in year what is it three? No, year two. Year two. Um, yeah, excuse me about that. Uh, you know, now all of a sudden he's doing it without an NFL quarterback or an NFL first-round draft pick and things like that. And there's nobody else in the group of five that fits both of those criteria. And so, you know, I think you could make a reasonable case that there's a few different teams that you could compare them to. But, you know, I kind of went with Marshall. I kind of see the, the herd as being kind of a mirror image you know, where they may not necessarily be, you know, losing a first-round draft pick, but, you know, they're starting over at quarterback. You know, they've got a coach who, for as successful he's, as he's been in the past, you know, there's a question, I think, of whether he can get them back to that top tier of team in Conference USA. Um, you know, the defense has, has been, has varied from, you know, average to above average, but they haven't been, you know, as strong as they've been in the past. And so I think, there's that kind of overall question of staleness that 
surrounds Doc Holliday out there in Huntington. Um, and so to me, like, they aren't necessarily a one-to-one comparison, but I see them facing kind of the same questions, even if they aren't aesthetically the same kind of team. And I think they would have a similar defensively a little bit, possibly. That's kind of their, how they'd be designed as. Yeah. Like, looked at, because I think Marshall, because we saw Marshall did last year versus Boise State, a really low-scoring game. They made Boise have errors in the red zone and stuff, and so that's where they compare. So that makes sense, yeah. Coach, it's like, well, what are we going to get done? Marshall's had that success recently, similar to Utah State. So that, I like that. That's a good one. All right, are we in the last team here, the final? I believe so. We are on Wyoming. Who did you pick for the Cowboys? I just kept it simple. I went with Army. With Army? Because of running, yeah. the efficiency of running the ball? Yeah, because you know this is a team that's definitely going to want to beat you on the ground. And if they can rebound from how they fell off on defense last year, you know, they may not necessarily be like world beaters. They can still be an above average independent team. And I think that aesthetically what Army has done or what Jeff Munkin has done at West Point is has shades of what Craig Bull has done at Laramie, where they want to they want to be able to beat you up on both sides of the ball. And so I think Cowboys fans could be really receptive to watching that. Sure, I went with Michigan State. Okay, I'm choosing all the Power Five teams apparently because that's what I root for, I guess, internally. But <laughs> Michigan State has a, usually has a really, really, really good defense. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, we now has a really good defense. Army, I can make a lot of sense, particularly if it's a if the starter were to be a Sean Chambers because he runs the ball and stiff arms defenders in his way. But I would doubt because Wyoming has had like Michigan State's been in a couple Cotton Bowls, like they've been up there playoffs. So it's like. The ceiling for them is higher than what Wyoming has done, despite Wyoming being to uh, the one conference title championship game. Mm-hmm. But I would say more along the lines of the defense and the – I don't want to say lackluster offense against Porter State because Xavier Valley is really good. But they're led by their defense by far. But they're also – while they do or get near the top of the conference occasionally, they're not up there consistently all the time. That's where I think Michigan State Wyoming fit pretty well, whereas – like, see, when I go through my list here, I, like, kind of went historical a little bit, like, the past 10, 20 years, where they fit in the conference. And that makes our list great and different. Yours, like, here's what they'll be this year, similar team. I kind of went farther back, a little bit further back, to see how they would compare record-wise and success, the up and downs they had. But I felt this was a decent one, because Michigan State's always good defense. But then they always have one or two years where they're, like, just not very good. And Wyoming has had that as well recently. Or they weren't very yeah. good. And so I think the if you I wanted see, that I type of team. a connection between some of the exasperations that Wyoming fans have expressed about Brett Bygan in particular. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and how Michigan State fans have felt about Mark D'Antonio. Definitely. Uh, you know, well, even though they have a new head coach now. I'm just saying, you know, yeah, years yeah, past. Yeah, years past. That's what we yeah, That kind of, um, I mean, I don't know if Wyoming fans would necessarily see their offense as being as unappealing as Michigan State often was over the years under D'Antonio, though. No. I think that's kind of the big difference. Yeah, I think my main point, like, kind of, not the style, but kind of the, they lean on their defense. Like, Wyoming, we saw with their offense, like, Zavin Williams, Valade, excuse me, really, really good. When they had Levi Williams back there, who actually threw the ball a bit and running, their offense with him was very exciting. I'm just kind of, and I guess even go back farther, Josh Allen, it was exciting, throwing, slinging the ball around a lot even going with Brett Smith before he transferred. So that's, that is the difference, how Wyoming's offense has shown to be more creative and more fun to watch. But that makes a good sense. My main point was more leaning heavily defensively and kind of being, they're really good and not so good. Really good and not so good. The conference kind of elevator type thing. But yeah, the offense-wise doesn't totally match up, but it's not going to be a 100% comparison. Not, we, don't, we can't find it. There's no two teams that are exactly the same. Yeah. 
So any anything else we need to add to this list here? Hopefully it was enjoyable. Or I, is there is there like who are you like? Okay, you mentioned the team for Fresno State team. Who was it again? To remind everybody, Western Kentucky and myself because I forgot. Um, <laughs> who are you going to watch Western Kentucky football? Or how's your football going to be? Assuming we have games throughout the season. I mean, assuming there's a season, I'll watch what I can, same as I normally would. Are you going to pick any sort of team to root for, or are you just going to watch and watch to watch? I will probably just have it on in the background more often than not. I really don't know how invested I would be in any other conference, just because I've been most interested in the Mountain West for a long time now. So it's yeah, like... I hear you. Same, yeah, you get your team. It's like, it's like eating a local hamburger, you know? Like, you, you, you go to the best joint locally, yeah, and then, and then you go, like, eat McDonald's or something. Like, it's a good point. I, don't, I don't want to eat McDonald's anymore. So you, know? you so you tell me you don't want to watch the SEC. No, I don't. I'm not <laughs> interested in the SEC. And that might be a hot take, but it's just not interesting to me. Would you? Would, can I interest you in a Florida team that's a good offense this year? No, you cannot. Say it with me. I, 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 I can hear Apologies you. to Brandon, by the way. I know. Well, no, Brandon. No, he's like, I get it. They're, I get it. The defense is good. The offense. They're not supposed to be ranked. I, I think, if anything, I would be much more likely to get super into the Conference USA West division or something like that, just because I feel like that's the closest thing to... So you're telling me you, you have something that seems interesting to me. If I'm looking at teams, maybe this could be... Well, we're up, we, well, we do need content, but I think if there's teams that are interesting to watch, that's what I want to see. Like I'm, I may go back and watch some more to University of Texas football because I like them growing up. I'm going to have to watch BYU for work because they're still playing, so I'll pay attention to them, obviously. But I want to see like fun football. Like I want to see Ole Miss play. I want to see teams that should have good offense. Like I do want to see um, okay Clemson, whatever. Travis, you want to see good football too. So I'll, I'll watch them play. Um, I want to see I want to see Texas A&M crash and burn because I know they're not going to live up to that top ten hype, even with half the teams in the conference or FBS not playing. Uh, I don't know if I'll pick a particular team. I could like I said, I could go back to my Texas team roots and pick one of those teams. Um, I don't know. I don't want to pick Oklahoma State because Mike Gundy's a weirdo. Um, I don't care about. I'm not going to go bandwagon and pick like Alabama or Oklahoma. Um, no, that's lame anyway. That is lame. Like, if, like I'll watch the title game and I'll like if they're on. I will not going to not shoot in the game. Like you probably would. Oh, it's on. If it's interesting, I'll watch. Like I watch LSU a bit more later in the year when they got really interesting and really good. But as for one team, like is it lame for me to say University of Texas just because? I go. Like, yes. I watched him growing up. That's different. Yeah, okay, bit. well, that's, that's different. That's my article. I'll allow that. But I don't know if I'll pick them because Texas is never back and they're going to bring me heartbreak. So, like, when I go to – let me – really quick. I'm over at CBS's – I like how this – they're preseason 76. Good for them. Good branding there. Phillips might be coming after you guys. Or is it Phillips 66? I don't know. But, like, if you look for interesting teams, like, I can see – no way I pick another name. Um – did I, did I say Cincinnati or Memphis? Or are we arch enemies not allowed to talk about them? I mean, you, you can make your own choices. I mean, personally, I, I would not root for anybody from the American, no, first I, and foremost. Yeah. I may watch Memphis because I think they're good, and it might be an interesting watch, but I wouldn't root for them because those are two different things. Uh, I think I've got to do more homework. Yeah, me too. I'm scrolling through to see here. Maybe that'll be our next assignment. We'll come back and talk about our particular teams. Um, Kentucky could be prickly. Or should we just go App State? It's, kind of, it's kind, of, kind of off the beaten path, yeah. Should we just go App State and get on the Sean Clark bandwagon? Nah, I mean, because I don't... 
they're i know what you personally, mean they're... personally i i just and this might just be a consequence of living on the west coast but east coast teams don't really interest me that much I hear which you. is why which is why i feel like i'm gonna get i'm gonna end up getting really into conference usa for some reason so what you're telling me you don't want to watch that 9 a.m pacific time illinois northwestern tilt if it would happen in normal years or Let's you don't, put it this way. If I had a Duke, Virginia like nine, Tech is not in your radar. <laughs> if I had a choice between 9 a.m. Duke and Virginia Tech or 9 a.m. Charlotte, Florida International, I'm going to choose Charlotte, Florida International. Should we become a CUSA blog now for the season? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. It couldn't hurt. Well, we'll yeah, I, I'm going to – I need to figure out what I'm doing because I've been typically – we'll wrap up here at our point, but like – when you like when I watch, we watch the teams because we talk about it, we write about it. I haven't had a time like me, like honestly, maybe since I first went. Oh, when I after I was first married, like because here's the thing: when I was in a college, I went to Iona College. Our water polo season was during football season, like it was right now, so I'd rarely get to watch college football. I'm like, oh, I'll watch Texas, Texas A and M. A lot of buddies were from Illinois, so they like the Illini and stuff or Northwestern. So I did that for a couple of years. Come to University of Utah, I got to watch a little bit more because I still did water polo, same season, but like only two or three weekends. Great. Then I got jobs doing this type of stuff, either riding over the Mountain West here or radio station work where I'm covering Utah BYU. I haven't had a time where I could just turn on whoever the heck I want, even though I got to pay attention to BYU, it's just one team. Like I can literally watch whoever I want, which is kind of relieving a little bit for once. It's going to be fun, right? Speaking from experience, it is very liberating. Because, yeah, maybe I want to watch LSU-Alabama and not get judged for it for watching it because it's a good football game. <laughs> yeah. But, no, we'll see. I don't know. I can look at TCU. Hey, maybe TCU former Mountain West team, right? There we go. Possibly. Possibly. We'll get to this later. We're going to be back for more podcasts. We'll figure out um, what we're going to do going forward. We do have our – do you like the top five idea I put out there really quick? You can I say. Do. Okay, so we maybe do a top five-ish podcast throughout the year. But we will have college basketball come up. Me and Andy doing something. You and me will be back at some point, to discuss uh, other teams. But uh, check us out, mwwire.com. Subscribe, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts, we are there. So just search Mountain West Wire. And we're going to put out a uh, mass email, or I guess mass Twitter, to a, a Google Doc. Say, hey, what do you want us to talk about and write about or podcast about? Because that will be appreciative because I don't want to just do a news podcast every week, Matt. No. Because that can be yeah, – it's not as fun, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so everyone, we'll be back next time. And hope you have a, have a good week and, yeah, have a good time.